0: Welcome to The Paperback Show. I'm your host, Ricky Lee Grove. This is episode 15, and in this episode, we continue our series focused on the idea of the paperback classic. Now, what I mean by that is that the books chosen for the series have achieved wide acclaim, so much so that they are considered classic books in American culture. Influence is also a factor in determining a book's classic status— In the case of The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, there's no question that this book was a major influence on other writers. Stephen King, one of the most popular authors of our generation, called Haunting of Hill House one of the finest novels of the late 20th century. And finally, the reasons I am looking at the paperback version of what is considered a classic book are several. One, the paperback usually reaches far more readers than the hardcover. And two, the design and timing of the paperback release had a major impact on the book's popularity and success. Now after this short break, we'll look at the life of Shirley Jackson, specifically during the writing of The Haunting of Hill House. And after that, we'll bring in Martha Welty, librarian and actress, to discuss the interesting book. Shirley Jackson was 45 when The Haunting of Hill House was published by Viking Press in 1959 in hardback. She was the mother of four active children. She ran a large home and took care of her husband, literary critic Stanley Hyman. Stanley was a political liberal, but at home he participated only marginally in raising the children He did no domestic chores and had regular affairs with his students at the local college in North Bennington, Vermont. Hardly a liberal approach to marriage. Shirley didn't even have her own office, but Stanley did, which says a lot about the kind of husband he was to Shirley. She often rode in between chores and child-rearing. The kitchen table was her office. Shirley was having health problems when she was writing Haunting of Hill House, She was overweight and often chain-smoked. In fact, some of her earliest notes on The Haunting of Hill House appear on recipes and food diaries she kept at the time. Shirley was a successful author with many short stories, including the brilliant The Lottery in 1949, many humorous articles, and four novels. She grew up writing all the time. Her mother... Her most vicious critic was an upper-class woman who put a very high value on appearance. Shirley's entire life was a rebellion against her mother. Her marriage to Stanley, who was a Jewish intellectual, was a clear statement to her mother that she would do what she wanted with her life, and yet Shirley supported a relationship with her mother for her entire life, despite her mother's continuing cruel treatment. A few years after the publication of The Haunting of Hill House, Jackson was invited to a writer's conference to give a speech on writing. Her speech, An Essay, Experience and Fiction, relates to the origins of The Haunting of Hill House. Here's what she said I happened by chance to read a book about a group of people. 19th century psychic researchers who rented a haunted house and recorded their impressions of the things they saw and heard and felt in order to contribute a learned paper to the Society for Psychic Research. Their dry reports was not at all a story of a haunted house. It was the story of several earnest, I believe misguided, certainly determined people, with their differing motivations and backgrounds, I found it so exciting that I wanted more than anything to set up my own haunted house and put my own people in it and see what I could make happen. Not too long after reading the book on the paranormal researchers, she experienced a deep fear while riding on a train to New York with her husband when she saw a tall, seemingly abandoned building from the window. She later learned it was the burned out husk of a building in Harlem where several people died in a fire. Shirley was both a skeptic and a believer in ghosts, and was building a library of occult and paranormal books. After reading the book and experiencing that deep fear, she embarked on a time of research, which included reading ghost stories, traveling by car to look at strange abandoned houses with her son, and poring over postcards of buildings. It's interesting that she felt she had to have a specific house for her imagination to build a story around it. Eventually, she discovered a mansion on the West Coast, which, ironically, was a building designed by her grandfather, who was a famous architect on the West Coast the early part of the century. Shirley Jackson's imagination was all-encompassing. Once she started on a story, it occupied her mind continually, even as she took care of her domestic duties. After a year or so, the book was finally published by Viking in 1959. It was her most successful novel, earning a National Book Award nomination. It lost. And very brisk sales. She used the money to pay off her mortgage and many other debts. A film sale came soon after publication which helped her buy a new washer and dryer for her house. The film, made by Robert Wise in 1963 and starring Julie Harris, has become a classic itself. And it's actually become more well-known than the original novel. A recent TV series, very loosely adapted from the novel, has garnered more interest in Shirley's original novel with a paperback reprint by Penguin with a delicious cover. But no film or TV adaptation has ever captured the real storytelling skill of Shirley Jackson. The Haunting of Hill House established the pattern for haunted house novels and stories for a generation to come. Note that the first paperback publication of The Haunting of Hill House was published by Popular Library in 1963 followed by a movie tie-in the year after. There were so many copies published of the movie tie-in, if you're browsing in a used bookstore and you come across it, that's probably what you'll find. Current paperback reprints are published by Penguin Books. I'll leave you with a quote before we move on to our second-half discussion of The Haunting of Hill House. This quote is from Shirley Jackson. In a sense, the real horror of the novel are the interior lives of the characters which the sentient house exploits. All right, now that we know more about Shirley Jackson and her writing and publishing of Haunting of Hill House, Let's bring in our special guest, Martha Welty, to talk about this great American classic novel. Hi, Martha. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Ricky. Yeah. She sent us a little backgrounder so you know a little bit more about her. Here it is. Martha Welty is a retired librarian and an actor who's appeared in numerous productions and many theater companies in Phoenix area. In her younger days, Martha played the role of Eleanor Vance in a production of The Haunting of Hill House. We have to talk about that. I've forgotten that. She lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her sister, Lisa, and her cats, Archie and Benny. What great names for cats. I love them. Yeah,
1: Yeah, They're both literary.
0: Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's just talk a little bit about when I remember when I was thinking about doing this show, your name came up to me, and I don't know why, but I thought it would be a book that would appeal to you. And when I contacted you, you were so enthusiastic about it. Um, tell me, why is that? Did, did you read the book first, or did you see the movie?
1: Well, I had an unusual experience. I heard the movie. I was, uh, I was an imaginative, um, uh, creative bookworm as a child. And um, the family sat down, the upper half, the older kids, and my parents sat down to watch the movie. And my mother sent me away. She said, this will be too scary for you. Um, and I, I, but I didn't go away. I kind of went around the corner of an adjacent (laughs) room with an open door and I listened to it. And my and they all the movie ended and they all came pouring out of the room. And my mother turns the corner and sees me terrified. And I said, (laughs) I listened to it. (laughs) Did it scare you just listening to it? Absolutely terrified me absolutely terrified me
0: wow Uh,
1: so yeah i didn't see it or read it i heard it
0: (laughs) i see so what did you do once you knew about this story when did you seek it out as a book
1: i cannot remember it would it would have certainly been in adulthood Mm -hmm. i mean it took me a long time to actually watch the movie um and i remember when i did i i thought it was terrifying yeah Um, but the book is scarier I think so. The book is scarier. Uh the atmosphere, the the sense of 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 just terror when they go when they take the walk and Oh yeah, and there's, yeah, there's that's something in it's like Am I?
0: <laughs> Yes, exactly. Do you yeah. remember uh, whether um it was a hardback or a paperback that you read from?
1: It was a paperback.
0: Ah, I see. Yeah, it was
1: a paperback. Yeah. And and uh I, I've always loved it. Um it's why I ended up owning two different editions. Um mm-hmm. and um and I've I've reread it over the years because it's just a wonderful, wonderful read.
0: Yeah. We'll talk uh, a little bit later about the differences between the movie and the book. Most yeah. people it's interesting if you if you do some research and you find like a a long blog post about somebody and their experience of the book, there'll always be at least half of the comments uh, on the blog saying that, well, I haven't read the book, but the movie is one of my favorites. Right. (laughs) So I think in many ways, more people will probably experience the story through the movie as opposed to a book, which is, you know, that's fine. It's a great movie. Robert Wise, I think yes. he did West Side Story before right. this right. film. Right. Yeah. And it was just a wonderful distillation of, of, the,
1: I think so. of
0: the story. However, there are certain subtleties and because he, he emphasized the suspense and the fear and the uh, frightening nature of the haunted house. And, and at times was a little more literal than Shirley Jackson was because one of the great things about haunting of hill house is that it is so subtle more appears off the page yes <laughs> than actually appears on the page which makes yeah. which is one of my favorite forms of horror oh yes because oh, it lets yes. you imagine
1: all oh, everything
0: yes. <laughs> that's going on
1: <laughs> certainly and, uh, that was yeah my experience in my listening to it experience yes yeah of course yeah. of
0: course um, now we're gonna have a couple spoilers uh, listeners but I will rem- I will warn you when we get to that point so you if you need to and you if you haven't read the uh, the book or seen the movie um, you can uh, go away and then come back for it. So let's move on a little bit to a couple other things you know Shirley Jackson wrote this novel and it was published in 1959. Uh, to great acclaim and an actual nomination for a National Book Award. She didn't win, which she should have, but because uh, everything else that was on that list has long ago been forgotten. But she drew from her own life to write many of her stories and novels. Do you think Eleanor, who is the central character, is a self-portrait?
1: I think Eleanor contains a fair amount of Shirley. I think... Eleanor I th- my sense of Shirley was she was a, a much solider person uh a more more grounded and more uh more owning her own power uh, I uh, but yes I think there's a lot of Eleanor in Shirley
0: yeah well she was going through a um health issues at the time uh just before 59. And was starting to suffer from a terrible agoraphobia. It yeah. hit her strong. Her home life was a a real mess. Uh, I don't know how she managed to write such a wonderful novel with such great and careful editing and writing, while raising kids, while taking care of the house, while handling the business side of her writing career and dealing with a philandering husband, disinterested husband uh, with no office, writing mostly in the kitchen. Um, so you can imagine her ability to concentrate must have been supreme. Yes. Uh, kids kids probably were coming in and out and doing different things, you know, and uh, I can understand why she put so much of herself in it. I think for all of her writings, there's a, there's a recurring motifs, like she had a, a a really painful relationship with her mother, who was incredibly critical of her. And there are always some kind of mother figure in almost all of her novels, a terrifying mother figure in it. And in a way, I think, do you think Shirley was trying to cope with that fear and guilt relationship with her mom through her work?
1: Either deal with it, exercise it, um, uh, name it, you know, name her truth. Um, I think there is some power in in putting out y- your reality. Um, and she probably was m- more honest about Geraldine, her mother, in her writing than she was in real life. In real life yeah because she was she was between rebellious and cowed so much of the time
0: yeah yeah you're right you're right in fact i think the uh, there was a quote somewhere i can't remember whether it was her shirley or someone else but they said the real horror and haunting of hill house is not the house but the interior lives of the characters oh
1: <laughs> yes oh yes <laughs> and that's uh, that's probably a kernel of what makes it so terrifying uh-huh. because that's available to all of us you know it's like hill House is, is inside us yeah and you can't escape that Yeah, you know what your thoughts create what your thoughts project what your feelings what your darkest fears that's right inside you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know, that's she no brings house it you... yeah
0: yeah she brings it up why do you think uh, Haunting of Hill House is a classic? And why do you, is it categorized as a, as a gothic romance or a gothic horror novel?
1: I think it's easy to categorize. And I'm sure in the publishing business, you have to have a hook uh, as part of your marketing, your sales strategy. You, you have to name something. So at least you're aiming it at Those people, you know, I mean, if you call it horror, then then immediately you at least are talking to horror fans or thriller fans. Um, I I remember reading um, that it was they it really wasn't in the minds of publishers, editors. It wasn't categorizable, you know, it needed its own category and nobody knew what that category was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They had to find some way to sell it. Yeah. Uh, the the cover of the um, nineteen seventy seven paperback Fawcett Popular Library uh, indicates that they were selling the paperback at least yes. as a gothic romance. And, because, and, and,
1: it, and it's yeah, and it so isn't. I mean, I read Victoria Holt, and I read you know I yeah, read uh, yeah. Dorothy Eden, and I I mean we we cut our teeth on on gothic romance. Sure. My sisters and I and that wasn't it yeah i can (laughs) imagine Shirley jackson's is not that
0: yeah i can imagine a young woman browsing at some shop and seeing this and going oh well this this looks like and then reading it oh my (laughs) god (laughs) you know this is so far away from a romance you know it's terrifying
1: there's some overlap i mean some of those gothics were pretty spooky You know, there was one that had some sort of creepy, you know, uh, toweled ghost priest, you know. It wasn't like there was no overlap. Yeah. um, In in fairness, but no, no.
0: (laughs) No. Why do you you think Haunting of Hill House is a classic novel?
1: Gosh, I don't know what I think is a classic. Um, To (laughs) me... Perhaps a classic is something that captures something unique and and timeless, and it just stays in generation after generation. It's fresh and true and vivid. Yeah. Certainly all those things for me are true of of this book.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. Do you, do you still think that a younger reader or any reader... Uh, coming to the novel for the first time today would be frightened by it.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I I I think the discerning reader. Yes, yes. I think. I I, I it's hard to say though because they are, they have been so peppered with such a variety, of. Um, I I remember I was a middle school librarian and I had a kid you was wanting something really scary. And everything I showed him, it was, he was like, no, oh, no, 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 no. And I said, oh, do you mean like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? And he, his eyes lit up and he's like, Yeah. And we don't
0: have that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, have- yeah. The,
1: the gore <laughs> factor. Your, well, your, certain, your- yeah.
0: you certainly won't find a high gore factor in the haunting no. of Hill House. No. it's uh, more stylish. Um, yes. Do you have a do you have a favorite part of the book that you remember?
1: Oh yeah, I think uh many, but one that comes to mind certainly is um when Eleanor hears the voice of the child.
0: Oh yeah.
1: It so brave like I will not let anyone hurt a child and and then and, and Theo and her and Theo holding her hand and the two of them in the room together and her saying Theo you're you know breaking my hand you're breaking my hand and then uh, Theo's asleep in the other bed
0: yeah oh we forgot to warn everybody about the spoilers I'm
1: so, <laughs> so we're gonna
0: be that's okay we're gonna be moving into some spoiler territory now I was gonna say you everybody, did everybody. that's okay my favorite part <laughs> that's true I, I didn't think about that. I should have thought to warn everybody before oh well Uh, That is an extraordinary part. In fact, Shirley Jackson, in the uh, incredible biography that um, I use for a lot of research, Shirley Jackson, A Rather Haunted Life by Ruth Franklin. um, She talks about Shirley saying that that hand held sort of odd handholding was one of the key moments in the book for her. Yeah. Yeah. my favorite part of the, of course, it's hard to come up with a favorite part with it. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like looking at Michelangelo's David and saying, "Well, what what is your favorite part of the of the sculpture?" No. You know.
1: No, I mean, yeah, exactly. I yeah. guess you, because you asked me, but yeah, I have well, many.
0: My favorite part is her drive at the beginning to Hill House. It is an absolute masterpiece of. Character development, landscape description, poetic writing, depictions of characters. There's a scene at the beginning when she is driving in her sister's car, who she just took, which was fascinating. She started her journey towards self heart Her mother has died, and uh, she feels guilty because she feels like she didn't do enough to help her. And so she takes the car and she's driving to the Hill house and she comes on a diner and she comes into the diner. She talks to this young girl and for Eleanor, everything is magical because she's out on her own for the first time and everything is just shining and beautiful. But this young girl is as bored as hell and is completely uninterested in what she has to say. And then there's a man there that she talks to in the, Dialogue is very simple, but underneath you can feel all sorts of ripples of of feeling and thinking and subtext and all of that. And then she has another experience where she sees a house that has two lion sculptures in the front. And for about four paragraphs, she fantasizes what it would be like to have her own home with those two lions and what a pleasant life it would be to come out and pat them on the head and have them as part of her life. The whole, like, the whole build up, yeah, to getting to to Hill House is just—it's extraordinary writing, absolutely extraordinary writing. And I, I just—that's uh, my favorite part. Uh, obviously, there are, are stronger moments in the in the novel. No, but... I
1: agree with you that that's very evocative.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. She has a, a at one point she. Uh, she describes there's a little spot I want to read yeah she was she went through this little town called Hillsdale and she has this description in one sentence she says a dog slept uneasily in the shade against a wall a woman stood in a doorway across the street and looked at Eleanor and two young boys lounged against the fence elaborately silent elaborately silent. I mean, she knows kids. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Again, saying, look, you know, expressing more than they're actually saying. It's just brilliant, it's just brilliant. And of course the opening paragraph, which has to be one of the greatest opening paragraphs to a novel ever written. And I say that in all seriousness, uh, Stephen King even said that this was probably one of the great ones. So let me read that one right quick and get your thoughts on it. So she opens Haunting of Hill House with this paragraph No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Within walls continued upright, bricks met neatly. Floors were firm and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House. And whatever walked there walked alone. Ooh, that is just yeah, extraordinary. What what is your take?
1: <laughs> yeah, the the I mean the menace contained in 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 brick and walls and the idea that uh, an exposure to unrelenting reality leads to insanity
0: <laughs> it actually encompass it sort of encapsulates the entire novel in that yes. first paragraph
1: yes it does yes it does and and um I hadn't thought of this but you know Stephen King and I parted company because he was too good at making the ordinary terrifying <laughs> but he clearly that is such, such a through line you know, and I, I never really thought about it until listening to you read the this That's opening paragraph, that yeah. it was like, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he borrowed a lot from her. He, in his essay and Dance Macabre on her, he talks about, he honors her. Um and, and one thing I wish he would have taken more of from her is her writing style because it is so clear and precise and understated. And yes. Suggestive, whereas... Yes. Stephen yes. King often goes for the gross.
1: Yes. So I think
0: yes. You're, you're the young boy in the library asking you about the scary book. He would like yes. the Stephen King books.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yes. And I thought the same thing. Her subtlety. I mean, I was even thinking when I was saying about uh, Stephen King being, uh, you know, an inhabit, uh, an inheritor, but that his were so more overt hers were so subtle and the subtlety is much more terrifying Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah
0: yeah her writing style developed in fact the dedication of the book is to her old teacher uh mr brown her writing teacher she worked hard at, at developing her style and um the fact that she had to write sort of under duress is even more impressive and the book you know the book As much as I love that opening sequence of Eleanor's drive to Hill House, the entire book just gets better and better and better and better until you finally come to the denouement of the entire, I mean, the climax and then the denouement afterwards. And she closes it out with a sort of echo of the first paragraph, Mm -hmm. you know, but this time Eleanor is a, a part of it all. Right. Which, which leads me to another quick question I wanted to ask you is the relationship, the, the characterization of women in the book, her depictions of the relationship between, growing relationship between Eleanor and Theodora, right. who's an openly gay character, which is fascinating in 1959 having, the, having an openly gay character, is what precipitates Eleanor's sort of crisis into the end uh she becomes so close to theodora in her mind that she wants to come and live with her right and theodora being the realist that she is she says no and that rejection causes a lot of trouble do you think her depiction of women in this book makes it a kind of feminist novel
1: um you know, in what I've read recently about Jackson herself, I would say no. I would say uh, she herself did not feel that she was a feminist. And I don't think... Certainly she could have been a feminist in embryo. She had all the circumstances. But... um yeah, I can I I suppose I can't get beyond that blunt no.
0: <laughs> well, certainly the story isn't a story of women's empowerment. <laughs> That's for no. sure.
1: Certainly, it you know where 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 it would come from, sure. Yeah. You know where it would come from, sure. And Theo certainly comes off as a very different kind of woman. You know, perhaps a model of 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 something to perhaps aspire to. Mm-hmm. You know, her 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 confidence, her ownership of her life, and and her relationship, and the description of her fight with her lover, and you know that she just had so much grounding in her own power uh, in her own life.
0: Yeah, possibly the the also the careful and detailed descriptions of Eleanor's inner life. Yeah, uh, being being laid out maybe of ident- women could identify with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose I get the impression from Shirley that she either wanted to be or felt that she was more universal than that.
0: Yeah, I think so too, I think so too. Now the movie version was incredibly uh, well done, but it seemed to truncate some of the character development and some yeah. of the background which is is natural for a movie yeah. Yeah. but i also felt that um who was it Her, not rosemary harris but uh the lead actress who played eleanor
1: oh i thought oh Ju- julie 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 harris it was julie, julie harris yeah yes
0: well i thought she she obviously is a great actress and she brought a lot to it in a way seeing it visually as opposed to it being presented almost in t- through her the interior of Eleanor in yes. the novel makes her seem to be a, a kind of hysteric a female hysteric right visually do you know what I mean
1: yeah I do know what you mean and that
0: lessened a little bit of the... I mean, I, when I first saw it, of course, I was just blown away. I scared shitless. But as I've grown up and older and have watched it again, that hysterical quality of her performance seems to be less, less impressive, less effective mm. in telling yes. Eleanor's story, I think.
1: I think it, it must be enormously difficult, the transition... From book to movie in capturing inner life. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they have to give some sort of outward manifestation to give. The, and they did have some, they did have speeches uh, where you just hear her inner monologue. Right, and, right, yeah, but yeah, you that's need true, but
0: not not nearly to the extent that it is in the novel. No, I mean, that's, no the novel you novel is can't.
1: You, you know you yeah, can't
0: you can't because yeah. we just do. Too boring. No. Now, no. recently in 2010, I think it was, there was a television series adaptation, Haunting of Hill House, that became quite a sensation and a big hit, and a, a darling of critics, and, and brought many people back to the novel again, which I'm very happy about. But I was quite unsatisfied with, with the series, and I only got through one or two episodes. Did you watch that at all?
1: I did not, and I also have never seen the other film version that came along later
0: oh that's right yes there was
1: another one and I never saw that relatively modern um I got the sense that the television one was well received um no I suppose I was just leery of uh the horror being taken to <laughs> yeah. you know it's like yeah, oh, the gore the kid the kid becomes even, a I, director <laughs> i wasn't sure where they were going to go with it but yeah. i knew that the capacity to write some really gripping terror on television no, was-
0: they didn't go in that direction what they so, did okay. capture beautifully was the was production like- production values okay were and effects were just absolutely stunning however they decided to turn it into a a version a sort of supernatural version of long day's journey into night in which family dramas and screaming matches occurred pretty regularly every 15 minutes
1: oh wow
0: where one daughter would recriminate about some past event they'd get together alliances would be made so it was more of a sort of a savage family drama oh
1: okay which
0: which i think robbed the the story of its a lot of its richness it yeah. it, it was compelling and mm-hmm. i can see why people were interested in it but it was so far away from shirley jackson for me that i i just yeah. couldn't i couldn't continue besides yeah. i'd i'd seen the there's so many iterations of the who's afraid of virginia wolf and long days journey into night situation that it's just right. It's tedious for me yeah. now, you know, but it's very popular and I'm happy that it brought people back uh, to the novel. Now, one of my last questions to you is you were in a stage adaptation <laughs> of Haunting a Pale House. Tell me yeah. about that experience.
1: Well, it was a small theater company. Actually, it was a it was the only um, sort of gay theater company in the sense that they were embracing... Those works, hmm. I think, uh, after I had done this show with them, I did as is with them. But uh, uh, and it was, of course, because of Theo's character. Right. Um, and certainly playing Eleanor was. I mean, after my initial tear as a child, it it's sort of wild that I even took that on. Yeah, uh, yeah, because she is the, the character most haunted and most eaten, you know, by the house. Yes. um actually I have sort of a funny little anecdote tell me about that experience It's one of my favorite theater stories sure the character of Mrs. Dudley very uh Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca uh only kind of less subtly mean you know mm. about you know no one would hear you yeah you know in the night in the dark you know. Uh, really terrifying Eleanor right from the get-go by her menace and her deliberate um, uh, malicious malicious intent. So there I am. And the the producer, the artistic uh, head of the company, had persuaded his mother to take on the role of Mrs. Dudley. So opening night, she was absolutely terrified. Um, complete stage fright, had never been on stage before. Oh, boy. She completely went up. She she was so dear in the headlights, terrified, and sharing the stage with her. And she is the menace. And and I'm the mouse. Uh And I had to do what would have been like a Saturday Night Live sketch of like Eleanor creating lines for Eleanor. It was like, you mean no one would hear us?
0: <laughs> giving her all of her lines, <laughs>
1: I just scare myself.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: It was just the most comical, bizarre feeling to be like, oh, oh, "You're still not talking, Anne? Okay." Uh. <laughs> First scene. I'm just like, you know, I don't even say that much,
0: right? <laughs> Oh my a, goodness!
1: Not the entire time. <laughs> That's
0: but a great no, it story. was.
1: It, you know, the play. I will say, reading the play, uh, it uh, it's not nearly as effective as any other form. Yeah, uh, it, it's fairly defanged. But interestingly, it does include characters that the uh, uh, w- the wife and the friend. Uh, you know, they are as pompous. And full of themselves in the play as they are in the book. Yeah, I, and I think that's the one thing that was. Very I love
0: happy. those characters. In fact, <laughs> if, if you want to read, uh, listeners, if you want to read a novel, n- not even for the suspense or the horror, just for characters. If you're you want to be writer or you want to learn more about writing, just for characterization, Shirley Jackson can characterize some uh, a, a, char- a character in one line or in a simple description or in their response. She is that masterful at being able to evoke uh, characters and who they are in your mind immediately. It's just great. Well, the last question I want to ask you, Martha, and thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Is it sort of a, I don't know. It's like, is it fair to ask this question? I guess. Do you think that the, the events in in Honig of hill house are real or are they manifestations of eleanor's mind
1: yeah i've i've certainly thought about this um, mm. for some i don't know why but i am drawn to wanting them to be real I don't know that that's the same thing as thinking they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's my preference. Yeah. That's my preference. Um, there's no question that it absolutely it could go the other way. And well, I suppose I think that it really, in a way, perhaps is a combination of both. That's that exactly. Was, that's, was, that's. That was her particular vulnerability. That's
0: my impression. Shirley Jackson herself, according to the biography, didn't really believe in ghosts. Of course, that's what she says. (laughs) But she was fascinated with the occult, had an extraordinary library of occult items. In fact, the the book was based on her reading of a psychic investigation that occurred in England. She just pulled the situation and the characters out in her mind and redid them. But well, she said I, she
1: wanted her own haunted house.
0: Yes, that's right. With her, and own, that,
1: with her own people.
0: Yes. <laughs> and I think that even though she may have written it with the feeling of its manifestations of Eleanor's psyche, I think she unconsciously added elements to the house that supports the idea that there's real supernatural occurrences there. Because there are things that occur in... Uh, uh, the shared reality of all of the characters in the book that indicate that it that it's not just Eleanor.
1: Oh no, absolutely. The house itself, you know, the 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 opening paragraph, uh, the experience of the doors that won't stay open. There's some. I mean, I love the idea that the house is evil. When Luke says it should be burned to the ground. And, and the ground sowed with salt.
0: <laughs> That'd take care of it, or would that there,
1: it? <laughs> that there is a real, that there is really evil.
0: Well, I think most readers would side with the supernatural side, just sympathetically. And I think that they would read it thinking that this house is evil, because, I mean, the way Shirley describes just seeing it, in fact, in many cover designs, later covers and penguin has the current rights to the paperback edition you'll see a house that has a facial quality to it the there's a corgi paperback edition of it i wish i would have sent it to you that actually makes the house out of parts of people's anatomies
1: oh yeah yeah in the front
0: yeah uh, which i think is just perfect perfect so the so 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 Shirley Jackson is so not only is she a good writer, she's a good thinker as well, because she lays the both sides. She gives both sides of that question equal weight so that the reader is the one who determines and and embodies, you know, whether this house is is deeply evil as she applies, you know. Right. Marvelous, just marvelous. Well, thank you, Martha. it's been I have really enjoyed talking to you about this great, great, great book. And readers, I urge you to go pick up the paperback edition. You'll find it in a a, a beautiful graphic covers now. They went away from the photographic cover some time ago, and they're doing more graphic images, which I like. Penguin has a beautiful graphic uh, image in one of their recent editions. Go pick up that edition. Or look for the old paperback one and read it because it is a masterpiece, a classic paperback that, although we didn't talk about it, influenced writers um, for generations afterwards. Uh, Paula Garan, a a very smart and uh, intelligent essay writer and horror writer, has written uh, very succinctly about, why that book is so important and although i just oh i begrudge saying this there is a fantastic hardback edition of this public of haunting the pill house published by centipede press oh. uh, that, that features uh shirley jackson's uh, floor plans for the haunted house all of them features her essay on it an introduction by caitlin kiernan who is a Terrific uh, horror writer in her own. And Matt Maturin did the illustrations, which are really eerie and odd. Um, It's a great, great edition of the book. If you are somebody who wants to have this book as a solid part of your collection, I would urge you to check out Centipede Press edition of it. Well, Martha, thanks. Uh, We'll put this together and uh, I hope everybody enjoys it. And uh, I, would lo- I want to invite you back again to the podcast to discuss something else. It's such a pleasure talking to you.
1: Oh, thank you, Ricky. I feel the same.
0: Uh, where can people find out any more information about you? On your Facebook page?
1: Yeah, probably my Facebook page. Um, <laughs> it. Uh, I've just embarked on um, starting uh, to do storytelling. It's always fascinated me as a genre, the oral tradition. Yeah. Um, I did some of it as a librarian uh, with scary stories and myths, you know right um, uh, wonderful old Robert Arthur stories like uh, you know the waxwork and um, the Rose crystal bell and but um, I've always wanted to challenge myself by telling personal stories right so, that's something I'm I'm just starting to explore.
0: Oh, well, good luck with that. It sounds like a lot of fun. All right, we'll see you again. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Ricky. Bye.
1: Bye now.